Welcome back. It is here, season two of the Midwest Mompreneurs podcast. I'm so excited to be back. This is something I pour so much time and love into, and I was very strategic in my guests for this next round. I'm so excited to showcase a wide variety of Midwest mamas that are doing incredible things. Um, We have really shared some incredible experiences, and this episode is one in particular that I'm so excited to kick off the season with. I was able to chat with a longtime friend, a fellow PR and marketing maven who is very established and doing incredible things in our community of Kansas City. April Dion is the founder of April Communicates. She has a background in PR, working with major media networks like BET and hosting runway shows and working in the television and modeling industry. We dive into how she got her start in PR, which was not the most traditional route, how she faced adversity, breaking into the industry, eventually found her niche here in Kansas City, and now where she's at, which is being a very public figure for the city of Casey Mo, managing social media, balancing her business, being a mom during this pandemic and teaching her daughter, doing all the things, and at the same time continuing to inspire other women. She has created YouTube and educational speaker series. She has become vulnerable and open about her journey with alopecia, which we dive into. And she is one that truly embodies to me what it means to be a Midwest mompreneur. We don't always do it perfectly. It's not always easy, but it is possible. And April Dion shares so much inspiration in this episode. If she can conquer it all, I promise you can too. So let's get started. Hi friends, and welcome to the Midwest Mompreneurs Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Snellen, and each week I am going to be sitting down to share honest conversations, real resources, and the tips to help you navigate motherhood and building a business at the same time. Let's be honest, it's not an easy journey when you want to do both, but it is possible. Let's get to it. so excited to be chatting with an old friend, someone that I met many years ago in the PR industry, April Dion. She's the owner of April Communicates. She is an incredibly media savvy woman. I'm so thankful that our paths have crossed and I'm excited to chat with you and just dive into all things public relations, how you built your brand, your career, and all the exciting things that you're up to right now. So if you could just kind of share your story, how you got started in PR, I would love to you to share that with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. So hi, everyone. I'm April Dion. And um, Catherine and I, we actually met back way back when I was just modeling. I was in college. (laughs) And I was modeling, but I was studying um, pre-law. And I was political science was my major, but I was under the pre-law program and Africana studies was my minor. My goal was to become an entertainment attorney. And so um, Back when I was modeling, she would usually pull on me to model for like different segments for Kansas City Fashion Week, I would think it would be sometimes, or there were like uh, garment district events that would happen. She would pull on me to model for that. And I really appreciated that. 
And um, I'm like, what is this, you know, what you do, <laughs> you know, and she was basically doing PR. And that's kind of what I do now. Um, all my life, I had planned to be an entertainment attorney. And so I started at Lindenwood. I went to college there. I got a, a scholarship through the Miss Missouri USA teen pageant at the time um, for $48,000. So it took me to college in St. Charles. And I, um, I just didn't, you know, wasn't feeling at college as much. Um, and so I made my way to CMSU or UCM for, you know, the younger generation, for us older generation, we call it CMSU. <laughs> and so um, that's when I declared, you know, that I would study pre-law. I'd already uh, declared I would study political science because I was dual credit high school. And so I was taking political science classes as a high school student. And so I continued on that path. And I realized um, I interviewed for an internship at BET, Black Entertainment Television. Um, and I was completely honest with the uh, director or the person that interviewed me who happened to be a publicist. And I let her know I'm applying for this PR position, even though my, my uh, background is obviously political science and pre-law, um, I'm applying for a dual internship for the legal department and the PR department because I'm not 100% sure if I want to be an attorney anymore um, after working for a law office when I lived in St. Charles going to school at Lindenwood. And she appreciated my honesty. And then also she could not find anything on me on social media that would be incriminating. <laughs> so that's one thing people need to know when you're looking for jobs, they do do a research, they do search a search on you. This was back in 2008. So can you imagine like nowadays, everybody's life is all online. And so, um, yeah. So I ended up doing the internship. Um, I went out, flew out there, I did that summer. And when I got there, um, I served in the legal department, but they, needed someone to start the PR internship sooner. So it was taking me a, a bit of time to, um, to get there. It was like, I was gonna start two weeks later than the program started. So they filled it with someone else. But because I'm very savvy and I like to stay busy, um, I was, and, and I live in Kansas City. So I wanted to make sure that I got everything I could out of that internship. And so I was working with all the different departments. I was working with production. I worked with BT Animation, which no longer exists anymore, but I got to help with the launch of this cartoon called The Black Panther, which is now a movie. So I got to go to Comic-Con and help the director of entertainment for that, Reginald Hudlin, and all kind of stuff. And I specifically helped with the PR department. And so they kept inviting me every year from 2008 till 2018 was the last one I did um, pre-pandemic. Um, I worked um, the Soul Train Awards, which was the last one of that year. And uh, I also worked the Hip Hop Awards that year as well. And so I was working on the red carpet. So whenever a celebrity would come to the carpet, I would walk them down the carpet as their publicist and guide them through. Oh, so, so, so <laughs> fun. And it probably seems so glamorous when people share this. And you know, I have a similar story where I went to New York and I worked in fashion PR and people always think, oh my gosh, how glamorous, how fun. But you and I both know <laughs> there was a lot of hard work, a lot of grit, professionalism that had yeah. to go into that. So when was it that PR really clicked for you and you decided, this is my path. I have to do this. I'm, I, I'm yeah. called to this because it truly is a calling, I feel like, for you. Absolutely. So when I did that internship, I came home that summer and I... So my mom always taught me, like, either you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I had to have literally take her out to dinner <laughs> and tell her, like, mom, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I, I can't see, see it for myself being a, a lawyer. And um, I actually had told her in advance of that. And she was like, well, what about entertainment law? And so that's when I switched over to more of the entertainment side, which is why I went to BT. But 
after talking to some of the senior council, some of them have become my mentors, they didn't seem as happy. And the, the job that I was doing wasn't as exciting. Like I found more of a passion helping the PR department and stuff. And so I was like, this is, this is not it for me. And so I realized, you know, along with my character traits, for one, like I really love to help people. I love to connect people. You know, I love to, um, I'm just really creative. I'm more liberal artsy than I am you know, the, the other side of me. And so um, I am also a strategic communicator as well. And so that's when it really clicked for me. Um, and so from there, I just made sure to make sure it was something I really wanted to do. So I went ahead and got my master's degree in communications. Uh, it was more mass communications. Um, and while I got my master's degree, I served at the uh, NBC Universal um, for this network called the Style Network, which no longer exists. <laughs> I'm aging myself, but they no longer exist anymore. Um, but it was a cool experience. I actually interviewed for the Style uh, E um, because E and the Style Network is all on, um, and it was a sh channel called G4. They're all owned by uh, the Comcast Group and also owned by NBC Universal. And so they were like, well, we really need somebody more so for. Um, for uh, the style network and E is it's all in the same office. So you'll still be doing, you know, pretty much the same thing. So I was like, okay, I just want to get in the door. <laughs> and so I was still simultaneously helping with BT, you know, and I was interning uh, for NBC Universal. And um, that summer also, like I applied for this model competition for this um, celebrity called Vanessa Simmons. And she was going to be doing a virtual reality show um, in LA that summer and I'm like, you know, I applied as a model, I didn't get selected. And so I reached out to her in her inbox and I was like, hey, look, I'm a publicist. I have, I'll be interning in LA um, in the PR department for the Style Network, but I also got another internship for NBC Universal on the production side. So I'll be working for Lorraine Michaels. They produced Saturday Night Live. And um, so I we working on the studio a lot and also in the office. Um, I think I can be a huge asset to your company. And they invited me to come down there to write the script and to help with PR. And then they invited me to help with PR for Mercedes Fashion, uh, Mercedes Benz Fashion Week in Miami. And so it just clicked for me. It was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love oh, yeah. it so much. There's so much goodness here. And, and I do think the PR industry, it wasn't, I think it's booming now because so many more brands and companies are realizing the power of PR and what it can do. Yeah. But I will say when you and I were in it, 10 years ago, trying to find our, our footprint, it was really tough to get in the door. And I can't even imagine because, you know, we're both women, but you're a black woman. I'm sure it was even more challenging for you to kind of find your path and also just the same time balancing other people saying, don't do this. Um, I don't think people realize that PR could actually be a really successful career path, you know, a decade ago. I think it's changed a lot. So I, I think that that's so fascinating to hear your perspective and everything how it worked said. for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, every, that part, everything you said, like it is tough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I identified my niche early. Like Africana studies, political science, I want to work for BET. Like at, at least identifying the company. I think this is for any young entrepreneurs, especially in this, you know, more saturated, like what Catherine is alluding to is that it's more saturated now. There's more people in it. And so to have a plan, like have a game plan. Like I always had a game plan. So I knew I wanted to work for BT that helped me. Um, and that also, you know, I'm working amongst others that look like me. And then after getting that experience working in that company um, and seeing that I was trustworthy, being able to um, handle it with demeanor um, and also um, to be privy to 
all kind of information, but also be able to be around knowing I'm not going to be sharing and blasting people's secrets and stuff like that. That helped me to get my door in into the next company, NBC Universal, you know, and so it just kept going from there. And so it is tough, specifically, yes, as being an African-American woman, we always have to put on our best. But from the beginning, I knew that was going to be tough for me. So I made sure my resume was stellar, even as it relates to my current position now. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are still unclear on what a PR job entails. And obviously it's different industry to industry, but something that we both can relate on is having so many different skills. I also did production internships. I mean, being a strong communicator, like you said earlier, writing is a huge part of public relations that people don't even think about. Um, Connections, building networks and communities. So I think that there's so much that goes into PR, so much learning, so much experience. But I would be curious, like, what is your favorite aspect of working in PR? Yeah, I would say my favorite aspect, honestly, is seeing the, the project come together. However, I specialize in media kits, and I also specialize in facilitating, like. Um, red carpet experiences. And this is something that we don't really have, like there's not a lot of people that specialize in that in the Midwest per se. And so that's what makes my niche, me kind of excel in this area. Uh, when I brought those skill sets back, which most people don't, we have a lot of brain drain. We have a lot of people that are talented like you and I, that decide to go live in other states and places. Um, but I came back, it maybe necessarily wasn't because I wanted to come back, but I came back and I found it for myself. And it was hard for me to try to find a job coming back here, even though I had, you know, been modeling for a long time and I had connections in the industry because I do fashion and entertainment PR predominantly. Um, it still was a little bit tough for people to see me as not no longer just the model. This is a lady with a master's degree in communications and ample experience, you know, working and doing working with some of your favorite people privy to a lot of information. But it was it was tough. But my favorite aspect of PR, again, is doing uh, red carpet events. So I did the Golden Gala uh, two years in a row for this company called Rightfully So, which is a nonprofit organization. And it was one that was very I was passionate about, definitely still am. I had been with the company since its inception. So Jennifer Lapka um, Pfeiffer, she, is, she used to be the executive director for the West 18th Street Fashion Show. So among, when I first came back here, I sent out my resume to a few you know, fashion organizations, specifically to the West 18th Street Fashion Show. And she let me know, hey, I'm starting my own business. Um, I think you could be an asset over here doing social media. And I was like, social media? I don't know. Because <laughs> back then, you know, like, I mean, this was in 2013, 2012. And coming from where I came from, you were, you were not to really take pictures or any of those things when you're on the carpet. Now it's like social proof. You need all that. So I don't have a lot of pictures of me back in 2008 working with all the celebrities because you're supposed to be like, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's, it's only if you're there that you know what's happening. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, but now social media is what, you know, pushes everything out there. And so that's how I got my start in Kansas City doing um, that. And I worked for the, go, you know, for Rightfully So doing their social media. And then eventually uh, their PR person moved outside of Kansas City. So when we were going to have the Golden Gala that happens biannually, um, they knew my experience doing red carpets. No one has that experience per se. I mean, there's some people, but no one at the time that they knew had that experience. So it's like, why don't you go ahead and facilitate the gold carpet experience? Um, because it's Golden Gala. And I did that. And so I live streamed from the event. And I also did interviews. I set up the, you know, interviews and all those different things. And then I also did that um, in 2019 now, um, their last one. 
and I did the same thing. I live streamed it and, and all those things. And then did the same thing for the West 18th Street Fashion Show as well. And so those are the things I like to do. Media kit development and um, facilitate um, actual red carpet events or yeah. either yeah. Be the I love it. I love it so much. And it's so <laughs> funny that you mentioned the social media because, you know, when I first was starting to PR and social media were not the same thing. And now people <laughs> lump in social media with PR. And it makes sense because Mm -hmm. if you're the one that's, you know, positioning the brand and creating the brand messaging and doing most of the writing for the brand, it makes sense for you also to manage the social media and to direct the creative and all of that. But it does make our jobs a little bit more challenging. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely evolved in the last decade, but I love this. And I love you sharing how you came back to the Midwest and found a way to make it work, even though it wasn't, you know, me being in the same where I was in New York and I thought I could only be successful in New York. And then really similar where I had to volunteer. I had to do a lot of things for free in order to get my foot in the door in the Midwest when there were less opportunities and you just have to, you just have to find it. And sometimes you have to create it when it's not there, if that makes sense. So Going from going from getting your start in Kansas City and working some really incredible fashion events here, um, and you're continuing to do some of that. You've also kind of just built this amazing brand for yourself. Where I feel like people, you know, we're in entrepreneur groups and they say who who's great for PR, and April's name always pops up. So, what are kind of the things that you've done in the last few years to really brand yourself? Yeah, well, thank you for the compliment. I feel like yours and mine pop pops up, so that's but we're not competing. We have very complimentary, but also different strengths, which I love. (laughs) Different strengths, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But no, um, so what you said the question was, what have I done to kind of build my my brand to build your brand? Or Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. um, I would just say, um, basically, is to like you said, I coming back. I did do a little bit of free stuff, just a little bit, but then it was like, okay, guys, like, let's look at my resume, let's look at my skill set, let's, like, the value of having me versus the value of not having me, so I put my foot down, and I let people know, like, listen, these are my rates, so either we do an honorarium or something, some of this will be sponsorship, but, you know, I do, you know, I, I feel like, you know, this is a business. It's a lot of work. And like you said, with social media, people don't understand. We do kind of as a publicist um, have to kind of oversee the, the social media side of it because they go hand in hand. So I have a client right now that I'm working with and I'm working very closely with her social media aspect of it and training them on that. But I'm not doing social media, not a, as a part of the PR plan because it's a lot of, a lot of work. It's a lot of day-to-day work. So you know, I do, I'm doing the PR side and I'm gonna let her <laughs> focus on the social media side. But as far as building my brand, I feel like I, I came in there strong. I think that if you change the way that you, um, you, the way you start is the way you finish, right? And so if a company advised me that they weren't interested in, in utilizing me at that moment, that's okay. You know, I just moved on to the next company. Um, next company didn't want to utilize my services. Okay, well, I went ahead and created April Communicates. <laughs> so I was able to work with different, you know, brands and not be stuck with just one brand at one time. Um, and then that helped me to be able to get my my name out there more. I got to work with the Kansas City Care, Care Clinic for the Bloom Party. And so I did that several years in a row. I got to work with Rightfully So, and then I got to work for West 18th Street Fashion Show, and then I got to work for, 
you know, so many other things, but that is what helped me to develop my brand is actually starting my own business. So that I wasn't stuck up under someone else's brand. You know what I mean? Oh, I hundred percent so, agree. And yeah. I think so many people are scared to to create a business because they feel like, well, there's more risk, yeah. but it, I agree. You have so much more opportunity in front of you and you can dictate what is interesting to you. And like you were saying earlier, the cost structure and what services you want to offer and what services you don't want to offer. And I think that that's really, really smart. Um, I just feel like the opportunities are endless when you set it up that way. So what year did you launch April Communicates? Hmm. I want to say it was probably in, well, I should know this off back, off the back of my hand, probably in 2013. Mm-hmm. I want to say maybe 2013 to 2014. And really I started with Driven to Inspire You, which is a whole another thing I don't want to like deviate. I know you'll probably move into that, but that's another part of my brand. Driven to Inspire You is like, um, um, is, uh, I, when I was in college, I used to host women's retreats. I'm all about women empowerment and things like that. And I used to do this and connect, you know, it worked on campus, but once I got off campus, it was like, okay, how do I keep this organization structure going? And then I decided to move it all social media based and such. And so April Communicates actually started as a DBA of Driven to Inspire You because people just kept coming to me to say, hey, I need you to do this and freelance that. And I'm like, I can't just be, you know, working for free as just a contractor, which you're still a contractor if they hire your company, but I need to make sure I need some business, you know, need to structure this, you know, so it doesn't get messy and with taxes and stuff like that. And so April Communicates started as a DBA of Driven to Inspire You later. And so, and then eventually I got to a point where these need to be separated. These are not the same thing. So, so yeah. I do want to be a little too complicated. No. (laughs) And I do want to talk about this for a second because, um, I think that so many people feel like you only can be your business. You can only, you know, we're in PR, we can only talk about PR, but you have done other side projects and things that you're passionate about that make you unique and I think help you stand out as a person. So how has that been balancing all these different little passion projects and things that you're working on? You know, it was a lot easier before I became a mom, I'm yeah. <laughs> not going to lie, you know, so my baby is three, um, she's going to be four in March, so uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do in the pana, panorama, <laughs> we say, we call it panorama, but it's a, you know, pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> so trying to figure out what to do amidst the pandemic, um, and having, a, you know, a birthday celebration for her where she feels special, you know, and um, I'm of a, I'm of the community that's at risk. And so I have to be a little bit more careful about who I allow around me um, and people that love me or are careful about allowing themselves around me as well. And sometimes as a mom, I kind of feel selfish because, you know, that means that my baby can't, you know, she can't, she has the ability to go to school, but we're choosing virtual because that means, you know, she's at school, she's exposed to more germs and mommy's working from home and daddy's working from home. And so, you know, thinking about how we're going to plan the birthday has been hard, but I'm sorry, I digress from your actual (laughs) question, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's all, it's all, you know, it's mompreneur, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's, it was easier before having the baby, but once having a baby, it just kind of opened my eyes up to even more, you know, like more ways that I can connect with women and more ways that, um, more needs that needed to be met. Um, and reaching out and connecting with other women and such. And so um, I don't know how I've been able to really do it. I think I'm highly driven. I have a lot of energy and I like 
to I like to have multiple projects. I get bored really easy. <laughs> and so imagine working from home and being stuck at home. It's not it's not a good thing. But some of the projects that I, I've got to work on that she's talking about is, you know, for the Bloom Party, I, you know, help cast the models and I coach models. So to date, I've coached over 140 models. So most recent big project that I coached was for um, the Miss Black America pageant, which is a big deal in the African-American community. Um, and so I coached them. They, ho they hosted their national pageant this, uh, that year, which was in probably 2019, because that was before the pandemic. Um, they hosted it in Kansas City. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> pageant coach here. I mean, um, you know, and also model coach here. And so that gave me the opportunity to coach uh, them for that. Also coached, you know, models for what they taste Street Fashion Show three years in a row. And I've coached models for, through designers, not specifically through the organization, Kansas City Fashion Week, but through various designers, they've hired me to coach their models. And so that was just something that happened naturally because I signed my first contract when I was 16 years old, maybe 15 with Wilhelmina. And so I've been modeling, modeling for so long. And my baby, she signed her first contract for six months. We both re-signed and my mom, which she, re she signed her first contract at 61, but we both re-signed, all three of us uh, re-signed our contracts. Um, well, mine extended uh, just a couple of weeks ago when we modeled for Hallmark. And so- I saw that. That's so fun. I love that. <laughs> oh my you. gosh. Yeah, no, that's so exciting. And I feel like it's still, even though modeling isn't necessarily part of PR, it's still so mm -hmm. integral and you bring this extra knowledge to the table on the projects that you work on because in PR, you know, maybe there's a brand campaign and models are being hired and you're able to help coach and guide and creative direct in a way that other people can't always do. And so I think that it's fine to have these other services or passion projects that you work on that kind of bring something special to the table and help you connect. I mean, it's all about connection in our industry, right? Yeah, I feel like I'm like either I'm like, did you read that in my bio or something? Or did you just know? Because that is so true. Honestly, like, um, it helps to bring that little something special working on the other side, because typically I'm hiring for ICAST for West 18th Street Fashion Show or when I was working for the Bloom Party or which is the, the Kansas City Career Clinic. They used to host this party to raise money. Um, for uh, people that, you know, did not have enough money for the clinic. And so that was a big deal. And for Rightfully Sewn and all these other projects that I do, I would cast the models and I would coach them on site. And I was able to do that so well because, um, or enabled to do that, be a model to be able to switch gears so well because I know what they're looking for. I know what's needed in a campaign. So I can get in front of the camera and I can give them what they need because I know how to sell it from the other side too. And so, yeah. yeah I love that. It gives you something special. You also brought up the P word, the pandemic, which has been really challenging, <laughs> really challenging in our industry. Mm -hmm. I think 2020, Absolutely. I've blacked out many of those months because they were just <laughs> so difficult in so many ways. How has that been for you? Because you're balancing so many different things. And um, obviously the events industry has been hit really hard. We've seen events. I mean, I was ho hoping to have around five events per quarter and that went down to, to zero. And so it's been really difficult and just to make all of these hard pivots. What has that been like for you? You know what, it, it was tough. Um, but me, for me, Marcel was tough in a different way. So I serve on the board of the West 18th Street Fashion Show, as I mentioned a couple of times. I, as on the board, I am the director of communications. And so we decided to do a pivot. We normally do it this uh, last year would have been the 20th year. 
Um, and we, we normally do it um, on the block of what's 18th. This is the, long, the longest runway you probably have ever heard of. It's 100 feet long, you know, um, and we decided to pivot um, probably in May of last year and to produce a film. And oh my gosh, was that stressful. <laughs> it was just so stressful because we're, we were producing a film in the midst of a pandemic, you know, and typically as the director of communications, I am the one that's like, this is what we need. We need these shots. We need this, 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 and that, that for this campaign for the whole season to promote it. And so I'm the one that's on site, this, this producing the interviews, this pulling the content and the questions out of the designers and such, all these things that we need to make it happen. But I couldn't be on site this year. And so you have the director of communications who usually acts as the producer for most things, working from home. <laughs> and so, you know, we pulled, you know, everybody else basically, you know, they worked a little bit harder. And we also pulled in talent from out of town as well. We had a director and such and um, that was from out of town. And uh, it was it was just a interesting um, experience, but it was a blessing. We shot in at least 10 city uh, owned you know, businesses, facility, facilities, and um, it was, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was the longest season ever because typically it ends in June, but just imagine we didn't premiere the, the, the movie until October. And so if we didn't premiere the movie until October, that meant that we literally were doing all this planning for most of the year, which meant that other clients, like typically after June, I'm taking on other clients. I had to slow that down as well. So it was quite tough. And even post after that, you're, you're pitching to film festivals, which we've won at least three awards so far. That was tough um, events wise. And so that's yeah. been hard for me and, and not being able to work any of the awards like BT awards and different things like that. I was looking forward to like applying for those things as well. Yeah, it's interesting, the transition, because so many people would think, oh, events are so hard, and they are exhausting, don't get me wrong, yeah. and there is a lot of planning and prep work that goes into it, but there's something beautiful when an event happens, and it's success, and you get to go home, and mm -hmm. take off your heels, and like just be so proud of that moment, and now with everything yeah. being so digital, it feels like we're constantly just having to work harder to create those experiences and to capture people's attention. And so sometimes I feel like from the publicist standpoint, we're working even harder than we were before. <laughs> you told no lies. <laughs> okay, not a lie to. Um, yeah, you, it's, you are working so much harder and people don't understand that because what they can't see, they don't. It's, it's really hard as a publicist to really uh, express value and, um, and what you do, like to, to really show the value of what you do unless you're specifically itemizing every hour and the different things and the media, different media hits and stuff like that. But that's kind of going deep into <laughs> what a publicist does. But yeah, I mean, and I don't think it's just specific to publicists. I mean, I think as anyone that's working from home now, I think they're highly exhausted. And from a lot of people I've talked to, they've been working longer hours. It's just, there's no boundaries. And I did have to establish that with you know, a few clients or in a, with my, I also have a full-time job. And so I had to establish that there too. Like, listen, I'm changing my hours. I plan to work 7.30, you know, 7 to 3.30. This is what I'm doing. I had to establish that because I have a baby as well. And, um, you know, school is happening from home, <laughs> you know? I and know. So, it's crazy. Yeah. All of a sudden you're yeah. a teacher, <laughs> a stay-at-home mom, a full-time worker. A nurse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I'm hoping, mm -hmm. and I don't know what you think, but I'm hoping that as we look towards 2022, that events will be back bigger 
and better than ever and done in, in a safer way. I hope, I hope that there is some glimmer of um, in-person connection in the future for marketing and public relations, but it'll be interesting to see how all of that goes. I truly hope so, but it's, it's tough because, you know, I don't know, sometimes I get disappointed because, and I think it's for me because I am in that at-risk community that, um, you know, um, I, even if I wasn't in that at-risk community, I started Driven to Inspire You before I be, got sick. And so for me, it's, it really breaks my heart sometimes to see the comments or to see people fighting so hard to not, you know, do things that will keep other people safe. Because it's not always about you, right? And a lot of people don't understand that once they get the vaccination, you're vaccinated, yes. And there's a slighter, a lesser chance for you to get, you know, the C word um, than it is for someone that's not vaccinated, but you can still spread it. You could still be a carrier. And so for me, it's just so heartbreaking that we don't really love thy neighbor as much, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're fighting so hard to not want to do things that like all that was needed at the beginning was like, okay, let's just social distance for a little bit. You know, I know it's uncomfortable. We don't get to do all the fun things that we wanted to do previously. And then after, towards the end of it, people were just frustrated. Like, I want my old life back. Well, we can't just have old life back. <laughs> Not right now. And so we can, you know, get a whole, like, this is beyond us. We, we don't, we don't, the last time something like this has happened was the Spanish flu. So like, even the oldest person that's alive, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> they, it's a few of them, maybe they still maybe alive when that happened, but we don't know how to maneuver this initially. And so it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And so I don't know if by that time, because it's like, as time progresses, people become more irritated with the situation. So it makes it harder to even fight, especially with different variants coming out. Mm -hmm. And I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, I won't even go any deeper. But yeah. No, no, I think that's a really good point. And I actually have been faced with some situations where clients or projects will come through and they want to do an event or they want to do in person where everyone is at a different comfort level. And it is really smart to say, you know, we have to think about so many other people and the lives of others and not just put ourselves and our needs first. And also from, you know, working with brands, it can, it can, be, it can really tarnish your brand if you make poor choices and you don't want to have crisis PR come into play to help recover you because that's usually it's not going to be enough. So it's making these proactive decisions and thinking smartly ahead. And just with social media, people can kind of see through people's intentions, I feel like, more than ever. So it does make us have to really think um, through all the different logistics. I'm always having to be the person that's like, well, this could happen, but what about this? So we have to have plan A through Z these days. Yes. And as a publicist, that's what we do. So like I'm having, having to advise some of the businesses, like, listen, like you said, this could become crisis if <laughs> instead of just planning, if you don't think these things out. And so, yeah, you have to kind of wrangle your client in because they don't, they're thinking about the overall like agenda and the fun part of it. And, and you know, they're not, they're not publicists. And so, you know, it's our job to kind of advise them okay, this is what can be the bad outcome from it. So for example, when we did the West 18th Street Fashion Show and we did our media event, we did it outside. We did it in tents, open tents, but also um, mandated that everyone get COVID testing, all the media, you know, everyone that's going to be involved get a COVID test in advance of the event. And yep. so, 
you know, sometimes you, you have to do that, you know, just to keep the other person safe. Absolutely. Yes. A lot more to think about a lot of situations Mm -hmm. that, um, in my many years of PR, never thought we would have to deal with, but this is the reality now. Um, so tell me, you are doing a lot more on social media. You are sharing a lot more advice, um, video series because you're so great on camera. What are just some things that you feel like are really important that people can go to your social media and learn more about? What are some tips that you feel really passionate about? Yeah. So one of the things I'm passionate about, people used to say a lot of times like, oh, your hair is always so different. (laughs) Or sometimes they wouldn't recognize me because I be wearing a different hairstyle. But it was because for a lot of years, I was hiding the the fact that I had alopecia. Um, And just imagine like being a model, (laughs) you know, a signed model and having alopecia, you know, the client may expect you to show up this way. And then the, you know, two weeks later, you have a bad flare up and you lose some of your hair. And the type of alopecia that I have is not the type that people are used to seeing where you lose all of your hair. It could be if you don't have control over it. And so for me, I decided to go ahead and, and put myself out there, which is very embarrassing. It can be embarrassing. At first, I was like too embarrassed to do it. I had been documenting my journey since uh, for three years. And I finally did put out a video. I think it was at the end of last year on my page. It's called Hair Love, Hair Loss. And my sister named that because she's seen my journey and they, my sister's committed to, if I ever have to shave my hair, that they would shave all of their hair. And I'm like, no, please don't, please don't. Like, let me live vicariously through you, <laughs> you know? But um, I decided it was just so hard. Like I, it was frustrating to me. I would see some, t- like, you know, I would wash my hair and there would be like, you know, a handful of hair um, that would, I would pick up from the floor of the, the tub and it would just break my heart. I would go from, periods where my hair was just grown out and it was a nice full afro. And then next moment I'm having a bad flare up. And again, that's because mine is called CCCA or scarring alopecia, which is um, related to your immune system. And so anything that's autoimmune stress and things like that can make it, can flare it up. Um, But it can be controlled, the type that I have, where you don't have to lose all of your hair if you are keeping the inflammation down. And so I just started, decided to start sharing my journey with people because a lot of people don't know that this exists. And in the midst of me being really frustrated one night, like crying myself to sleep because I lost my hair, I decided I'm not going to be anybody's victim, okay? That's not going to be my story. And so I'm going to do some research and find there has to be a dermatologist that's familiar with my hair texture, which is normally naturally um, Afro texture, you know, that's familiar with my texture because that's important too. It's also um, familiar with this illness, which is kind of rare, but also not as rare. It's just that people just don't know that they have it. And so um, I found a doctor and she's a Harvard graduate. Her name is Dr. Uh, Mina Singh and she's amazing. Um, and I just decided to just record my sessions. I didn't ask her for any discount or anything. It's just like, I just want to share hope to people out there. And it's not just women that experience this. This is men too. And so she, she was like, you don't have to lose all your hair. You can, this can be stopped. All we need to do is do steroid shots. Um, and there were some other medicines she gave me, but the steroid shots help keep the inflammation down. And so as long as I'm doing that, it can keep the scarring from happening because basically your hair shaft, just like any autoimmune disorder condition, sometimes it happens, your body is attacking itself because it's thinking something's happening. And so that's basically what was happening in the scalp is the hair shaft was attacking itself. 
the first dermatologist that diagnosed me with it was just like, all right, you're going to lose your hair from the, basically from the edges and the center. And it's just going to like all come, basically you're going to lose it all. And I was just like, what? <laughs> that's it. Like, like that's, it was just such a horrible diagnosis. If you have no hope, you know, it's just, it's a life with no hope is, is just a very dark life. And so I have to find some type of hope in a situation, even if that hope means that I'm sharing this for someone else and not me. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Wow. So, and how is that being so vulnerable? Because I mean, I experienced postpartum hair loss when I had my son and I, I just didn't feel like people were talking about it. And for you to be so vulnerable, like, do you feel like that opened up Uh, more connections or like, what was that experience like for you? Did more women come out and say, I'm going through this too? Yeah, that's actually when it it came back because I was like, my hair was flourishing and I was growing and all that stuff. And then, cause you know, when you're, you're, you have your baby, you're taking the the pills, um, the prenatal pills, right? And it helps your nail, your nails and your hair to grow. And then after I had the baby, like you, I had hair loss and on top it was like alopecia flare up all that at the same time. And so that's kind of when I, you know, really kind of launched into like, I need to figure out, I need some solution. This is not it for me. Um, And it was tough for me because I had had a a mentor, an executive before advised me that, um, you know, as a CEO, as an executive, right, on my own business, see, you know, and so I'm an executive of my own business. But eventually, you know, maybe I'll work for someone else's company and I intend to be an executive there too there's a certain type of demeanor or, you know, that you carry yourself with, right? And you don't show any vulnerability. But that's just not me. I just can't be that person because I feel like life should be, I mean, if you live a life um, without leaving a, leaving a legacy, what kind of life did you live? So I can't be that person that is so into how I look that I, I'm not helping someone else out. And yeah. so um, it was hard. I was very, very embarrassed to first share that. And there are some things that are like some some videos, some pictures that I can share that's even worse. Like I'm, I'm in a bad flip right now, but I'm like, this is kind of too bad. You know, you know, you got to be careful what you put on social media because everybody's not kind. They might they won't see the gentleness in it, and you may become a meme. <laughs> so you have to be a little careful. <laughs> but you know, it's yeah. all with purpose. I live my life with purpose. I love that. And I think that it's so true, especially in this industry where we have to be so polished and poised all the time that when I became a mom, I was like, I am a hot mess. I just am. <laughs> it's just hard. Motherhood is hard. And I felt like I lost Party that. Too. <laughs> I lost that like professional poise exterior that I always carried around with me. And I kind of became my true self in a way. And I was so scared I would lose opportunities and clients and um, that people would judge me if I wasn't always to a T perfect. Um, but I do think it opens up the doors to the right people in your life when you can be vulnerable and when you can share your story and inspire others, you know? Mm-hmm. I felt the same way. Like when I first had my baby, I was, I hate to say I was like, I, I'm never late, but I, it was like, I was trying to find the balance of like, this, things take you longer when you yes. have a newborn, you know? So I was late a few times to a few things and it was just like, and then there's sometimes you've got to take the baby to, you know, baby has an ear infection. I got to go to the doctor. Like, you know, it just, I, the, I, like you started feeling like, oh, I'm losing the, I'm starting to lose some of my polishedness. <laughs> you know, people know me for being polished, but honestly, I mean, that's a part of 
precise professional public relations as a part of my name for April communicates, <laughs> you know, and so, um, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's life. We, it's life and people understand and people relate better to human beings, like to real human beings. So you connect with the right people and you want to be connected with the right people because when it gets hard, if you're connected, if all everyone you're connected to is just there because of something they believe you have to offer, that they want a piece of you, then it's going to be real lonely <laughs> when you really need to rely on that person, when you really need a, um, a, a, a help me card, you know, <laughs> like they won't be there. Yes, I feel that. So what's kind of, what's in the horizon for you? What are you looking forward to um, after just this amazing career that you've built and also surviving a really hard year? What is kind of something that you're looking forward to? What is the next step? What are, what are you excited about right now? Yeah. Okay. So just a little, little, little teaser, but I am working on this project that's kind of telling a little bit of a story, the behind the scenes of just being this executive, being this model, um, and working in this pretty, you know, I work for the city as well, you know, and the highest department in the municipal. And so um, doing all those things while also being at risk. Um, and being at risk means that you have some type of condition that's, that's really, you know, puts you at risk. And so working on telling that story and I'm not sure how I'm going to release it. Um, yeah, and so um, that's that's what I've been doing. And it's another vulnerable type of thing, but it's it's another way of me being able to, it's, it's really, this is the Driven to Inspire You part, which is why it was important for me to go ahead and get a trademark. Um, it's another part of me basically connecting with people and letting people know that no matter what you, what's, what you have going on, never give up on yourself always be an advocate for yourself you know what I mean and and that's um it's also a part of like if I'm going to have a I have a YouTube channel called driven to inspire you right and also have a Instagram channel page called driven to inspire you and if you're going to have a page like that it worked when I was in college because the the younger ladies were or even people my age were in were inspired by me because of they saw my demeanor on campus but in the world the real world people don't know who I am so if you have a page like that, that kind of seems kind of, you know, pompous, I guess, because it's like, well, driven to inspire you, who are you? <laughs> and so I think that if I share a bit of my story, this isn't why I'm doing it, but I also believe that me sharing a bit of my story helps people to understand like, okay, this is why I'm so passionate about trying to inspire you. I want you to get up. Like, girl, if you were on the floor, if everything is falling apart in your life, get up, girl, get up. Like, if I was there to give you a hand, I would pull you up myself. And I would look you in your face and tell you, sister, you can do this. Because I've had people tell me that I couldn't because of what I was dealing with. And so I want to basically encourage people to keep pushing no matter what's going on in their life. Oh, that's so good. So good. <laughs> Thank you. I don't even know how to follow up with that. But um, I also <laughs> just want to like toot your horn a bit because you just brushed over this, but you work an incredible position in the city. You're basically like the voice of Kansas City. And we don't want to dive too much into your job, but you've been able to land some incredible opportunities through being you, being April, and just showing up and using your talents and your skills and all of your background. So it's really, really incredible to see your journey, your growth, and everything that you're doing. So if you can do it, we all can do it, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, that is good. I will tell you that what really motivated me like to just be like I won't be a victim anymore like I had applied in my last job um 
my health. It was just kind of like I was going through some things with my health. So I had to kind of step back. It was like I was doing April Communiques part-time as I still am because it's really hard to do, to go full-time. I, I commend you that you're able to, to do your company full-time, but you know, it's hard to do that full-time, especially if you have a health condition because you need that in, those insurance benefits. You know, you can't rely totally on yourself. And so um, I was working for a company um, and the manager at the company, even though I was the best and had a, won an award for presenting the best service um, and I applied for a promotion because um, I was eligible within six months. I was the first person out of the training class. Um, they waited until it was too late for me to um, file a grievance and they denied me ver verbally. They didn't even give me a letter. And I didn't know, I had no idea what to do. Like I, I went to the union, they were like, it's too late for a grievance. And I didn't know about the EEO or anything like that. I didn't know who to talk to about that. But um, then on my way out, or after that, I just prayed about it. I said a prayer, you know, and I was just like, I really need guidance. Like I was on the floor on my knees praying to God. Like I just, I need to know what to do. This can't be the, the end for me. Like I have way too much, too much I want to give to the world to allow this to be where I, I end, you know, my career. And so the next day I was inspired. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna create the best resume, the best packet for myself. So like, this is my, uh, you, you probably can't see, but this is like my letter of recommendation that came from Peregrine. Um, it's very beautiful. <laughs> you can't see, but it's handwritten. Um, and that was to the, the uh, chief of staff for the mayor's office. Cause I was, I applied to basically two positions only. I applied for the director uh, to the uh, communications office for the city of Kansas city. And I applied to the mayor's office. Um, to be the uh, basically the strategic, it was like a position that no longer exists anymore. But they saw, they basically, I applied for those positions and I let my boss know that I was going to be brought in for interviews for those positions. And I was actually offered an interview, I mean, a, a position for the city of Kansas City. Um, and so um, I talked to my boss at my previous job and I was like, I think I want to take these positions, but I'm nervous that I might get too sick on some days to be able to manage these roles you know I'm afraid to leave and he was just like I have to tell you something and this is just off record will my boss has told me that she will never promote you because of your health and I was just it broke my heart I was just like all this I wish they had told me this a long time ago I passed up so many like other I had a life for other jobs and I was just I, I passed up so many other jobs because I was hoping I was training like all these other people to come in. And so that, that gave me what I needed to push me forward to go ahead and take the position that I currently have, thank goodness. And, and it's been a blessing because I've been the other job. didn't get to go with the mayor's office but I pulled myself out of that also because I felt like you know health reasons I wanted to make sure I was able to whatever job I'm going to work be able to give my best to and so wow well it's really crazy what women have to go through because it, I'm saying. <laughs> it, it's crazy it's terrible to hear that someone would say to you they would never promote you for health reasons um it broke my heart and I'm sure that you're not the only one that has experienced that um and I think that we've learned too with this experience of life that 
it's not about the time, the hours. It's about the quality of work. It's about what you bring to the table and finding people, clients, companies, brands that you work with that appreciate you as a human and all your flaws and all your, you know, imperfections, but at the same time, appreciate all the things, the skills, the talents that you bring to the table. I think that is so important. And I know I had to go through like some letting go processes as well, where I was like, people are asking too much of me during this time and I can't do it. We can't be everything for everyone. And so I'm sure that was incredibly challenging in those times to go through that and heartbreaking to hear that those words come out of someone's mouth to you. But I hope that now you have realized like your worth. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It broke it broke me down, you know, and what, what really is like the nail in the coffin is like on my, the last day, you know, that I left the job, they gave me this award, which is like the top award for the top, you know, representative that provides the best customer service, like the top award. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> like, you don't, you know, you don't want to promote me, but you want to use me. You're telling me that I'm good enough. I'm the best, but you won't promote me just because of my health. When you, I'm a, I'm probably work hard, harder than anybody. There are people that call in just because they want to call in. I only call in because I have to, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but it's, that's life sometimes. And I needed that to propel me into the next level of life where I am now. And I am able to service more people and uh, do it passionately. Literally everything is about passion for me. Everything. I think your life should be lived to, like I said, to serve others, you know? And so yeah, well, you are doing so many amazing, inspiring things. Tell me where people can follow you on social media. I know you have several pages. Yeah, yeah. Main page for me, because I like to keep my, my personal page, my personal page. <laughs> so the main page to follow me on is April Communicates. So just at April Communicates, you can follow me there on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, you can follow me on Twitter now. I have a Twitter page um, that's public. It's April underscore media. And so I don't have a lot of tweets, <laughs> but I'm, I'm on there. And then um, you can also follow me um, my inspirational page, uh, driven to inspire you at driven to with, you know, T O inspire, and then just the big you, you know, not that spelled out you just you. So driven to inspire you. And that's on Instagram. That's on Facebook. And that's on uh, YouTube. And so you can follow me on all those places. I do have a model page, but honestly, I'm not really pulling that, pushing that too much. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, your inspiration, sharing your journey and your wisdom. I think it's, it's just awesome. And I'm excited to see where life takes (laughs) you next. (laughs) Thank you so much. If anybody wants to reach out, like if you have any questions or anything like that, or PR questions as far as event facilitation or anything, or just any questions you have related to this interview, you can reach me at april at aprilcommunicates.com. So that's my email, April at aprilcommunicates.com. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you you for having me. I really appreciate you for having me on your your Mm -hmm. platform. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Midwest Mompreneurs. I'm your host, Katherine Snellen, and I appreciate you so much. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at the Katherine Elise.